Welcome to the Built to Grow podcast, a podcast for the small to medium-sized business owner to build a strong foundation for their business and expand their knowledge. EIO experts share the latest information on business optimization, employee investment, and compliance to help business owners create engaged employees and gain control over their business. I'm your host, Natalie Hansberg. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Built to Grow podcast powered by EIO Solutions. So as we all know, there is the pandemic of COVID-19 circling and controlling the media. EIO Solutions wanted to be one of the leader experts in the industry and take over all your assumptions and worries of COVID-19. We've been doing multiple webinars over the past couple weeks, and we felt that recording one of these and then posting it for our podcast viewers to listen to was a great way to keep you guys informed on what's happening and to listen to some of the questions that other industry owners and business owners are having during this crisis. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play the recording and hopefully there is no alternative questions. But of course, if there is, feel free to contact us at hello at eiosolutions.com and we will be able to assist you. But enjoy the webinar recording. Let's get to it. So good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining the webinar. Um, What we're going to do is we're just going to have uh, an introduction with everyone. We're going to go over everything that we're going to be talking about. I'm going to give some instructions for what to do if you have any questions, um, and then we'll get started. So um, I will just kick it off to Dominic, and he can maybe introduce everyone, and we'll take it from there. Uh, Thank you, Natalie. Um, Again, my name is Dominic. I'm one of the directors and founders of EIO Solutions. I want to thank everyone for joining us uh, this morning during this trying and unprecedented time. Um, Obviously, everyone here as as business owners, we're all worried about our families, our employees, our customers, and of course, our businesses. That's why we're here today. Um, We want to ensure that all of you have the proper information in order to guide you through this, you know, it's, it's uncharted territory and to be a resource um, to make this uh, journey as stress-free as, as possible. So that's why we organized this, we're calling it like a fireside chat to make sure that we answer the questions that everyone has. Um, I'm going to start off by just introducing the, the panelists today. Uh, I have with me, I have Frank Bopenzero. He's also a director and one of the founders of EIO Solutions. I I have uh, Inesh uh, Gennaro. Uh, she is a law clerk at uh, Hummingbird Law, and she's also part of our EIO legal panel, our team. <clears throat> I also have here Amiri Deer, who is a lawyer of, at Hummingbird Law, uh, specializing in the employment law for employers. Um, and I'm, I guess you can call him, he's the head of our legal department here at uh, EIO Solutions. Um, I also have Wally Sinjakovic. He is a retired, uh, recently retired actually, uh, 25-year Ministry of Labor uh, officer on the ESA or the Employment Standards uh, Department. Uh, and he's join, joining us as part of our team uh, today. Mm-hmm. Finally, I have uh, Natalie Hansford. She is uh, our Director of EIO Solutions and she will also be our narrator uh, for this webinar today. So Natalie, I'm going to pass it right back over to you. 
So as for what we're going to be covering, um, we're going to be going over COVID-19, the current state and updates for you. I know there's been a lot of questions on essential services and that's a lot of the registration questions were actually pertaining to that. So we're going to be go going over that in detail and what that means for you guys in landscaping. And then we're gonna go be going over misinformation, who to listen to, and a lot of the articles that are circulating on the media right now. We're gonna be going over work sharing, how to do it, what does it mean, when to get that started. Um, getting compliant, just some basic getting compliant inputs for as an employer, how to make sure you're getting back on the right track. And then we're going to end it off with keeping employees engaged. And then of course, opening up the room for questions. Okay, great. So I am going to uh, leave this over to Inesh and maybe you can take over the slide. Good morning, everyone. Morning. So I know this is a difficult time for everyone and everyone's asking about layoffs and what you can do for your workers. The EI sick benefits are the number one thing that people are going on right now. And in that department, they have waived the one week rating period and they've also waived the medical um, certificate required for the EI sick benefits. So anyone in that particular, um, they can apply immediately and they can get their EI benefit, sick benefits immediately. Now for those people that don't qualify for EI for whatever reason, whether they don't have enough hours or their parents that are staying home with children that are off uh, because of school and they need extra care or they're someone staying home with a family member that is sick with the COVID-19 or an elderly family member that um, needs care this, uh, they have introduced the emergency care benefit. This emergency care benefit is also available to self-employed workers and independent contractors. This particular benefit you can apply for as of April 6th. As of right now, the government is saying that it is at least a 10-day waiting period for it to be processed. Even though it's only available April 6th and you wait 10 days, you can um, get retro payments as far back as March 16th. And this benefit is available at the rate of, I've heard 1,800 to 2,000 a month. It is a taxable benefit, but it is available for up to four months. Does anyone have any specific questions to that? Can employers apply for that? Employers can apply to it as a self-employed. Um, that being said, I've had other uh, questions from our clients and that who are um, business owners and they are actually in a different realm of that. But anyone who is self-employed, especially independent contractors, which we see a lot in the landscaping business, they are able to apply for it. Okay, and then I have some questions here from the Zoom chat. I'm just going to kind of rhyme them off for you. Um, yep. I, I know the first one is, uh, do you need an ROE for this? You should still get your ROE because at the end of the day, you're going to need it. So your ROE, what we have been saying to our clients is on, when you do your ROE for your layoff on other, put COVID-19 okay, as then, your reason for layoff. Is this directly related to your income amount? It is not directly related to your income amount because it is an emergency benefit package that they've put together. It, it actually is being looked uh, over by the CRA, not the employment 
um, EI specifically. So CRA is actually taking over this particular benefit package. Um, and like I said, like it, it is available to self-employed workers and independent contractors, which we have a lot in the landscaping business, so they can apply for it April 6th. Okay. Um, and does this include subcontractors? Subcontractors are what we would say the self-employed. And there's a question regarding, so owners are not eligible or they are eligible? So there's, so... That's where it gets tricky because you'd have to see um, if you're an owner who actually pays yourself a salary, then you would be a self-employed worker. But if you're an owner who just takes a cut from your actual income when you do your monthly income, and I haven't got all the information on that yet, but we have had people say that they try to apply for it or they've gone to find out about it, and we don't have all the information on that. But okay. as of right now, independent contractors, subcontractors are considered self-employed, so they would um, be eligible for this emergency care benefit. Okay, and how does the status of our operation impact our entitlement to this benefit? Do we have to be shut down to be entitled to it? You would have to be shut down, um, you would have to be at home, and you would have to be not working to, uh, to apply for this. Okay. Um, and then the last question about this is, I am a corporation owner, would I still qualify? And that's where things get tricky because if you're a corporation owner, I've um, not got the full information on it yet, but I have had other people ask me about this and they try to get it. And it depends, like if you're a corporation owner who pays yourself, then you would be considered self-employed. Um, otherwise, I haven't got the full information on that yet. Okay, great. So for anyone asking about those questions, what we'll do is we'll do an update on that next week in our next uh, webinar, which I'll be going over that at the end of the webinar. But any questions that are left unanswered, we're going to jot them down and make sure we cover that first thing for the next webinar. Okay, so I know there's a couple more questions that got added, but we're going to move on to the next uh, point and then I will jot these down and we'll make sure we cover them at the end of uh, the next slides. Okay, take it away, Nash. Okay, so um, with regards to the temporary wage subsidy, the small businesses facing these loss of revenue losses right now and looking at potential layoffs, the, the one thing that they're doing, and this is one place where we've kind of been considered an essential service, you, if you keep your people on, the government's at, uh, in, implemented a subsidy where you can take a 10% remuneration of your pay for the next three months, Per employee, it's 1375 up to a total of $25,000 for employer. So when you do your remittances, you can actually take this 10% off now um, so that it helps you in the short term. Um, also, anyone that is doing this, uh, Revenue Canada is not going to... Um, contact you for any late payments um, up till August 31st, 2020 for payment of any income tax amounts that you might be owing. Um, does anyone have any questions on that? But Nope, all good. 
Oh, here we go. We have some questions going in. Uh, okay. How do you, how do you apply? And so basically it's um, when you're doing your, your taxes right now, when you uh, do your next payroll, you just automatically do it. You don't have to apply. It's just an automatic that you would just hold back the 10%. Okay. And is the 10% calculated on the gross payroll? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Those are all the questions for that one. One more. Um, is it taxable? Yes. Is it taxable on what the the ten percent or the emergency care package? Uh, the ten percent. As of right now, how I'm reading that question. Well, you're you're withholding the ten percent on the taxes that you would be submitting. Okay. Those are all the questions for that one. Oh, do we have to tell ADP, ADP does our payroll? So yeah, you would have to let ADP know if that's who's doing your payroll that they can withhold the 10% up to 1375 per employee and up to $25,000 overall in the next three months. So the BDC is also offering, uh, the government has um, put in, I believe it's $10 million into the BDC so anyone that owns a small to medium business, now this is small to medium, whereas the other one was just a small business for the 10%, the small to medium businesses, the BDC is offering a lot more money that um, the government has put in and you can apply for a short-term loan. Um, as of this morning, the Bank of Canada has reduced the rates from 0.75 that it was yesterday to 0.25. Um, to allow you to get a small business loan. This will help you to just keep some workers on and to pay some of your bills. Um, you can also defer some of these bills through the new government um, that they've, um, they've put into place where mortgages and other things have been um, deferred for up to six months. But if you still need that small business loan, I would say that you can call the BDC, but most banks, if you uh, work with a... Um, bank manager right now that is dealing with your finances, you would go to your uh, bank and they can help you with um, this as well, because most banks are now offering their clients help with um, getting these loans for the BDC. And again, um, as of this morning, the rate has reduced down to 0.25%. Okay, great. So let's move on to the next point. So with filing your taxes, businesses that are now filing taxes, the uh, government has also deferred these to for the next three months as well, where you can defer your taxes and you will not have any phone calls or anyone trying to um, ask you for ex uh, like um, late payments on your taxes. That's all been deferred. So anyone that is doing their taxes in the next three months can defer them and um, not worry about having somebody knock on your door for these um, late payments or the fact that you haven't filed your taxes yet. 
Okay, great. Uh, is the definition of a small business um, or what is the definition of a small business or medium business? That's a good question because they haven't really defined that that I've seen anything, but usually a small business is anyone, I, I would say with, with less than 20, 25 um, people operating the business and then a medium business could be anywhere between, I'd say, 60 to 100 people and then obviously you have your large businesses. Okay, great. Those are all the questions for that one. Whenever you're ready, Anish. Yeah, so the temporary electricity adjustment, as we've all heard the last couple of days, that everyone now is on um, low peak. So um, they basically have been saying that in general, the companies that operate should have about 100 to $150 taken off of this uh, low peak electricity cost, which is a little bit, but any at this point, everything helps. So that is another thing that the government has done where your electricity is at low peak. Uh, I believe it's in effect for the next 45 days. Okay, great. So I believe this section is also an ash. Yes. So even though the landscaping has been declared an essential service, um, we have to take into account the social distancing. So if you are on a job site that does not have um, the, I'm sorry, I'm just, so if you're on a job site that doesn't have the um, necessary sanitary options for your workers, um, Ministry of Labor is going out and they are sending out um, inspectors to look at these sites and they are shutting down the sites. In Toronto alone, they have um, already shut down a few sites and they are getting up to a $750 fine per day if you keep these sites open. That is being opened up into Ontario wide where they are sending out Ministry of Labor inspectors to look at these sites. If anyone has any questions, whether your site is a at-risk workplace site, you can call this number 1-888 444-3659 to find out if your site is one of these um, places where that you're at risk. And I'm pretty sure that we'll have this number available to you guys, if not on the slide, that we can get it to you. You can look on there. But in general, you just have to make sure that your workers are safe. So we have some questions here about just landscaping in general. Uh, has it been declared an essential service in, write in writing? The, the question with that and the answer to that is very difficult because when we saw the list that came out, there was 74 essential services. Construction is being called an essential service. On this construction essential service, they basically said anything that has to do with the construction of hospital sites or any healthcare sites are considered an essential service, but they've also opened it up to anyone that's keeping within these restrictions of a at-risk workplace that you have the sanitary conditions available to your workers that then you can continue to work. But like I said, they do have Ministry of Labor inspectors out to look at these sites. 
I'm sure that there are hundreds of sites and it might not be today, tomorrow, or the next day that somebody will come out, but you could have somebody come out onto your site and declare you unsafe. Okay, and there's a question here. A legal opinion yesterday, there was another seminar that majority of these attendees uh, also joined, I guess, and it suggested that there's no requirements to provide social distancing measures, um, and it was explained that it is a suggestion and um, any opportunity to follow the social distancing me measures, um, you should take advantage of it, but it's not a legal requirement. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the Occupational Health and Safety Act provides that you need to provide a safe work environment for your workers. So that being said, social distancing right now is considered a safe work environment. So you need to take that into account. Yes, right. if I could just um, add on to what Inesh uh, just said. Of course, it is a suggestion with respect to social distancing. However, we have to keep in mind the Occupational Health and Safety Act, and it's going to be a case-by-case case or very fact-specific uh, thing that you're looking at. I would still suggest that everyone tries as much as possible within their own work environment, whether you're out in the field working, to still try and adhere to the social distancing practices. Great. And we actually had a job site in Toronto two days ago that was shut down because they weren't having social distancing and three of their members were confirmed to have COVID-19. Now there's some questions about maintenance, gas, uh, grass cutting crews, landscaping uh, crews that are actually just doing the maintenance. Would you consider that an essential service? Again, it, it goes back to the list that was produced by the government as essential services. Those would not be considered specifically essential services on these lists because the list basically said construction that is doing like the um, hospital that's being built in Vaughan is considered an essential service. So it, it's very vague, the list that came out, but as long as you adhere to the social distancing and keeping the sanitary necess necessities in the work site, I don't think they will shut you down. But again, it was so vague by the government itself. Right. So, so Inesh, if I can just uh, ask you a question. We have yeah. like some, some construction companies that are still up and running. Uh, and what they're doing is putting in measures, for example, um, on a certain, if they're doing a, a condo, for example, there are only so many people are allowed uh, on the floor. Yeah. Um, you go to the construction site, you don't have all the trades. You may have literally just one trade, uh, maybe one or two per unit. That's it. Um, does that suffice doing things like that? Yeah. And that's what they're saying. Like basically try to minimize the amount of people on a site or the amount of people that are on a floor at one site with these construction sites. At the end of the day, the government is basically saying we need to keep our economy going. And the way to do it is to keep, buildings being built and what have you within the construction industry, but you just need to be safe. Right. Um, one of the questions that had come up as well, Inesh, is that if, if you had shut down your company for whatever reason, whether it was legislated or you just chose to, can you still keep some employees working? You can still, yeah, you can still keep some employees working during the shutdown, definitely. And that's part of um, what they're saying, like with this social distancing and reducing the amount of people on a job site. So you can keep your construction 
site going and everybody else would actually would obviously qualify for the um, either EI benefits through their layoff or the emergency care benefit through their layoff. Okay, thank you. So You're Carmen welcome. has said that um, I called a hotline yesterday regarding grass cutting and it was told that it will fall under sanitation. Having said that, you need to follow all safety protocols. Great, thanks yeah. for sharing that. Um, so we wanted to talk about misinformation. So as you guys know, the media has been blowing up and people are actually have been estimated to spend 22 hours um, on social media nowadays just due to the last two weeks of the media blowing up. So people are spending a lot of time on media. With that being said, you never really know what you're reading and if you're reading uh, the true facts or if it's misinformation. So we're going to spend a little bit of time on that and tell you some articles that we've come across and whether you should be listening to them or not. So uh, Dom, I'll let you take this one. Yes. Uh, thank you, Natalie. Um, yeah, like Natalie said, that there's been just uh, everyone's been on social media and probably one of the suggestions I like to give everyone is to maybe every once in a while take a break from social media because you will get overwhelmed and confused and not sure which direction to go. So uh, what I will do, I'm just going to ask our panelists a few questions that have come up from, from our clients. I hopefully will answer your questions. Um, I'm going to start with Wally, actually. Wally, one of the questions that, that has come up quite a bit um, and we get different answers for it on social media is, if your employees are not working due to this COVID-19, do employers have to pay their employees? The quick answer is no. The employer is not obligated to pay, to pay the employees that are put on layoff or are off on some type of uh, sick or illness-related issue. The employer is not obligated whatsoever to pay wages. Thank you, Wally. Um, also, during this you know, time of crisis, what's been happening is there's been a lot of slowdowns, a lot of closures, as everyone is obviously aware of. So companies are laying people off. Uh, a lot of articles that are on the website media, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, uh, are suggesting that uh, employers could be in trouble for doing this because they're not allowed and there could be penalties. Uh, so, Amiri, um, my first question is, can you lay people off? The, the short answer is yes, of course. The Employment Standards Act makes reference to layoffs and when you can, and also what constitutes a layoff being 13 weeks within a 20-week period, or if you go over that for a long-term layoff, 20 weeks in a 52-week period, and you certainly can. If there's a downturn in business and you cannot afford to keep these employees on, you most certainly can. It's best if your contracts initially at the start make reference to that as well, but yes, you can. Uh, thank you. Um, many company, companies obviously have, have laid off their employees. Um, and there's a term out there, it's called constructive dismissal. And what we're hearing is that if you laid them off, you can be liable for constructive dismissal. Uh, Mary, can you give maybe just like a very quick definition as to what is constructive dismissal and are companies liable for this because they've already laid off their employees? Sure. Constructive dismissal is where you change the essential terms of an employee's work. So that can be by changing the amount of pay, changing the hours that they work, or in this case, in certain cases, 
terminating them without essentially terminating them. Now, layoffs are different. And I want you to remember everyone who's on this call that constructive dismissal is very fact specific and it involves an element of bad faith on the employer side. Right now, people are needing to be laid off as a result of a global pandemic, COVID-19. And there's just reason to lay off employees now. So if you do have to lay off as a result of this, you're okay. Thank you. Um, other questions that have been bringing up is that obviously, again, we're in uncharted territory here. We don't know if this, this is gonna last an, another two weeks or an additional two months. We don't know. Hopefully it's obviously, we all hope it's sooner than later. Um, but as you mentioned is that, you know, you can lay off employees up to 13 weeks. Um, how about if this thing lasts longer? Can you extend the layoff? Well, initially, the first phase is 13 weeks within a 20-week period. As you said, we don't know how long this is going to last, which is why certain relief measures that Inesh has spoken to have been implemented. But there is a longer-term layoff that goes above that 20-week threshold, which is essentially 20 weeks within a, a calendar year, a 15-week period. Uh, very good. Very good. Um, <clears throat> now, in regards to having employees already laid off, um, and you mentioned too, you know, you can extend the benefit, uh, extend the uh, the layoff period. Uh, that brings us to the topic of benefits. Do companies yes. maintain the benefits, or because it's cash crunch, do we have to cancel the benefits? Um, what what your companies do to make sure that uh, they're above, uh, they're uh, being compliant. Well, the position, on, on, until we hear some more, the position remains the same. Uh, and perhaps Wally will, will jump in on this one after. But the position remains the same in that if you're laying off an employee, you still have to continue their, their benefits throughout the period that they're laid off. Because if you don't, then essentially you could find yourself in a position where you're held to constructively dismiss. So the position is you lay off your employees, but you continue paying whatever or giving them whatever benefits, health, dental, et cetera, that you normally would. Right. So, so if I'm a company um, and I lay off people and again, it's uncertain times and I decide I'm going to cancel benefits, what can I be liable for? Yes, until we hear otherwise, the status quo remains in that if you cancel the benefits, it could be held that canceling the benefits in conjunction with laying them off means that you have terminated them. So at that point, you'd be liable to paying them whatever entitlements they would be uh, entitled to on wrongful dismissal. And okay, just, so, keeping, and just oh, keeping with that, sorry, Wally, Colin. Go ahead, um, Wally. In keeping with that, if, if you are... In fact, thinking of canceling the benefits and you've laid them off, just exactly what was said, it, it, would, it may constrict a constructive dismissal because you've changed the terms and conditions of the employee. Now, one thing that, that has come up and we've, we've uh, talked about it is uh, whether or not an employer can cancel the benefits. And then because the Employment Standards Act does have a provision which allows for a layoff of up to you know, 35 weeks in a 52-week period if uh, benefits were continued. There's a provision there. I don't, I, I, I will tell you right now that I do not suggest an employer cancel any benefits and then 
Uh, once 13 weeks has transpired, they then reapply and, and put the benefits back on. Once It's like letting uh, the horses out and then shutting the gate. So you cannot cancel the benefits and then try and, and uh, extend the layoff period by uh, reinstituting the benefits, okay? Okay, so uh, as an example, uh, Amiri, so if, you, you know, if we have an employee, you know, let's just as an example, he's 53 years old, give or take. He's making, you know, $40,000 a year. He's been with you for six, seven years. And again, because of these trying times, we had to lay him off and we cancel his benefits. And <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. We cancel the benefits and it is deemed as a constructive, constructive dismissal. What would the employer be looking at uh, as you know sorry, yeah go ahead in, in your in your circumstance uh what they'd be looking at uh, i believe you said about six years they, yeah, they'd, they'd be looking at at common law about six months wages and um, maybe one question uh, um i get this all the time from from clients because obviously if i ask one of the question how much would a six-year employee um, be entitled to in regards to termination of severance, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Wally, it would be either six weeks or 12 weeks, depending if you're a severance employer. However, like you mentioned, Amiri, it's, you, there's common law. Can you just explain what common law is so everyone understands what the true liability could be to a company? Sure. So essentially, we have uh, two schemes at law. We have statute. So in this case, it would be the Employment Standards Act, which says that you get at minimum one week for, for every year that you've worked, simply put. Uh, common law is essentially judge-made law or law as it's developed before the courts. So law as it's evolved before judges, and it has the same weight and effect as statute. And so at common law, the principle is developed whereby while the ESA says a minimum of one week, common law is more at one month per every year that you've worked. Right. So, so basically, in theory, Amiri, if, if I have a company of 10, 15 people, I've laid off majority of those people, and I have one complaint, then one complaint could be driven to two, et cetera, et cetera. The liability could be huge. Am I correct? It could saying be that? very, very huge. Okay. Thank you, Amiri. Um, Natalie, I'm, we have no more questions on that. Yeah, we have some questions here in the comments. I'm just going to, I'm not going to say all of them because there's quite a few. Um, we'll leave the rest of them to the end, but there's, there's one um, here that I think will actually resonate with quite a few people that have joined, but this one is regarding layoffs. So um, Jessica has written in that we, we already laid off our staff for 13 weeks due to winter shutdown. The week that they were supposed to come back was when COVID-19 began and that they have to be laid off again. What do they do during this situation? Amiri, can you um, take this one? So let me understand the facts. They've, they've already been laid off for 13 weeks because of winter, and now they're back on again, and there's going to have to be another layoff. Correct. Okay. Well, in that case... It's very, it's going to be very, very difficult for, for the employer to escape some form of liability, I would think, because we are going to run over and we don't know how long this COVID is going to last, right? Let's just say we are in a situation where they have to be 
off for say another 20, 25 weeks, you're certainly gonna go over the position of 35 weeks within a year. And in that case, there would be deemed to be uh, a layoff, sorry, not a layoff, but a termination rather. That is one of those things that really, unfortunately in this circumstance where we are, it's we have to wait and see how long this is going to play out. For sure. Right. And just going back to um, what we just finished talking about and Wally, maybe you can jump in as well is that in regards to this question, if they're, if they, if they have been maintaining the benefits, they could extend the layoff to up to 35 weeks, correct? Uh, 35 weeks in a 52 week period. So as long as, as I said, as long as they haven't canceled the benefits from the onset, then then the 13 week um, uh, doesn't really even play into it. If they've extended the benefits, then they've, they've in, in essence, bought themselves a grace period from 13 weeks up to 35 weeks as long as they've continued their, their benefits. Thank you. Great. Okay, so this one is when we're going to be going under, uh, going over the WorkShare program. So I'll let Frank take this over and he's going to go over just a little bit more about this, how, what to do, when to do it. Um, Frank, I'll let you take it from here. Thank you very much, Natalie. Um, welcome, everybody. So I'll just uh, briefly touch upon a few points with regards to WorkShare. If you have any questions, go ahead and pop them up on the screen and we will do our best to answer them. So what is WorkSharing? So WorkSharing is a program through Employment Insurance and Service Canada. It is designed to help employers and employees avoid temporary layoffs when there is a temporary reduction in the normal level of business activity that is beyond the normal control of the employer. So this program will pop up an employee's wages up to 55% when there isn't enough work to fill a full work week. Um, just to, to clarify uh, the work sharing program, um, <clears throat> I'll give you the, the Coles notes version. Uh, work sharing was, is designed for companies that are, are, are suffering a downturn. They don't have enough work for the employees. Um, the EI will kick in and cover uh, any days that they are not working up to 55%, like Frank was saying. Uh, so during this, um, during this crisis, they have extended the amount of work share that you can get, uh, as well as they streamlined the, um, the application process, as well as the recovery plan. And what the recovery plan is, uh, in normal times, you had to put a, a recovery plan telling the government how you're going to get the company back up to uh, a point where the employees can work uh, a full shift or a full week um, and earn their full pay. <clears throat> Whereas now it's the criteria has less than a little bit. So everyone can go on. Um, a couple of questions that have come up is how difficult is it to apply? Uh, we've had a couple of clients uh, apply recently, uh, which um, within a 10 day period, give or take, they already received a response from the government uh, just asking if there's any more questions. So, the government has brought on an extra 13,000 people during this crisis to help with the EI programs, with the work share programs, et cetera, to help companies get back on their feet. Um, one of the questions that um, a lot of companies are asking is, well, I've already laid off my people. Is it worth going on the work share program? It is, in our opinion, it is, it is, <clears throat> excuse me, it is worth doing that now because we don't know when this whole thing is over and everyone can go back to work. 
I believe that it's not just flipping a switch where all of a sudden everything goes back to normal, all your clients are, are back. I think once we go back to living normal lives, companies will take maybe several months to get back um, to where they were to have the economy start um, gearing up again. So it would be very beneficial to apply for the work share program now for the period when you are coming back because you may not be able to bring everyone back on the full-time hours right away. And this will help the employees uh, recover some lost funds because of the crisis. It will help the company recover and get you to the point uh, faster to um, get back to, to normal. Okay, great. Does anyone have any specific questions? I know there's some people adding they would like to have the link. Um, and what I'll do is we can send a follow-up email and I'll add the link of where to apply in that email. Yeah. Also, also as well, you can, you can uh, reach out and contact us and we will be more than happy to help you through the process, help you through the application and uh, the recovery plan as well. And there's some other questions. Is the purpose of layoff not intended to have our employees at home? So for the work share. Uh, the purpose of, of um, the work share is to, uh, instead of laying employee off 100%, um, it's intended so that the, the employee will get some funds from EI and the rest from uh, the company with the work that they do have um, that's called in the queue. Uh, and it's just designed so that you don't lay off employees completely. So it puts less of a strain on the EI program. Yeah. So for example, let's say, you know, I, I have a business. I normally have employees working Monday to Friday, um, you know, working 40 hours, but because of downturn, I only have enough work um, for them for, let's say three days In two days, they would be off. So they would get 55% of those remaining two days. So in total, the employee would be, would receive three days pay from myself and 55% of those two days. So just over a day's pay. So for working three days, they're getting paid for just over four days. And then there's one more question and then we'll move on. So we were a small self-employed business that was in business for over 20 years, but just became an incorporation this year. Would we still be able to apply for the WorkShare program since we have been technically in business for two years? Uh, I believe, and, and I can double check that, that you do have, you have to have been in business for a minimum of two years, I believe, but I can definitely follow up with that. Great. We've talked about a lot of stuff um, over the last hour almost. Uh, and I think what's very important going forward is, you know, I know, I know it's unfortunate that a lot of people are slowing down, but to take the opportunity perhaps now and to relook at um, your, your, uh, company program in, rela in relation to HR and things like that. There's a few things that you should be looking at right now. So for example, would be things like uh, having a proper manual and a proper contract, uh, making sure certain stipulations are in place. Um, uh, Wally, maybe I'll get you to jump in on this. What, what do you see out there with companies, maybe in the landscaping companies in respect to, you know, do you see them having in general um, manuals in place, contracts in place, uh, and what do you see in general that maybe landscapers should improve on? Well, for the most part, um, over the last 20 years, whenever I've uh, come across a issue with a landscaping company, for the most part, the records are suspect or they're just not up to snuff. So, uh, and many times they don't have, um, you know, any types of uh, 
policies and procedures, the handbooks. Um, I've, I've rarely come across a company that has a handbook and or policy procedures. And, uh, you know, speaking about that, they um, many times don't have any type of written contract with the employee so that they know that they're working during a particular season, i.e. the landscape season. Normally, let's say mm -hmm. it starts in April and will go till uh, the end of October. So that should be verbalized in a written contract. The other thing is, of course, the administration of hours. As we all know, in the landscape business, um, you know, there is no requirement for an employer to pay overtime pay or public holiday pay, but many times employers will bank hours and then continue to pay after the employee has left, um, you know, has not, has left because the work is no longer available. But, and when um, I would go in as an inspector to view the records, the records uh, were um, not necessarily accurate enough because it's an obligation of an employer to, to keep complete and accurate records and you have to keep them for a minimum of three years. So I think that's important to note because many times we'll get a, we'll get a, um, an investigation started sometimes a year after the issue has taken place and the employer doesn't have the records available. And when uh, an inspector asks for a particular um, banked hours when they were actually worked and when they were paid out, the employer doesn't have that. So that's where they're deficient. Perfect. Thank you very much, Wally. So in your opinion, uh, uh, let's call it the Ministry of Labor opinion, what you would like to see when you come in is documentation in regards to their employment, the terms and condition of their employment. Yeah, I got I to gotta stress, I am no longer with the Ministry. Yes, I left absolutely. Just a few months, a, minutes, well, a couple of months ago, but uh, every inspector typically looks at the records and it's incumbent on the employer to keep complete and accurate records. And if they do not, we will simply accept the best evidence. And if an employee says mm -hmm. that they work a particular number of hours and the employer cannot produce the records to, um, I guess, support their position, normally, uh, even if the employee had their hours jotted on a calendar, we will accept that evidence. So that's how important it is to keep yep complete records. All right, and just one last question on this topic. Uh, and Amiri, I'm gonna pass it over to you. Same question as, as I, I, I asked Wally. Uh, on a, a legal standpoint, how important is it to have a contract and a manual? And then we'll move on. Very important, it, it's, it's paramount. Uh, certainly questions with respect to things like constructive dismissal and the employee and the employer's ability to to lay off those those can all be answered without a doubt if you have them up front in your contracts and in your manuals I'll limit it to just that you know I could go on forever talking about the contracts but for the purpose of this context yes very okay. important all right, so just uh, the example that we had earlier about my, our 50-year-old that's been with the company six years and we have to pay this person out, what could be the difference in the liability in respect to the package with, with and without a contract? Sure, certainly if there was a contract and there was a properly worded um, limitation with respect to 
their benefits on or their rights on termination. You could have gotten the employee to sign and agree that they would accept only employment standards at minimums, which you can't contract out of. So it could be the difference between you clearly binding that person to accepting one week's pay for every year that they've worked on termination or not having it and looking at having to pay the common law, which is like, like we said, one month basically. So the, the, the example that we had, the common law, you said could roughly be six months where the, where the legal minimum would be six to 12 weeks, depending if they're a severance employer. Exactly. Thank you. Um, so moving forward, I guess the, one of the other things that we should look at, be, look at doing is what do you do with your employees during this time? And I'm going to pass this back over to, to Natalie. Yeah, for sure. So this is the part where it's about keeping employees engaged and this I'm going to be going in two different sections. Um, one is tips from working from home and tips for being on working on the site. But then also during this time, um, using some tips if they are in layoff because uh, there's a huge uh, source over the media of basically just employees understanding exactly how their employers are reacting during this time. And we just got to make sure that we still are keeping our employees engaged, even if they are in layoff, just checking in, see how they're doing. So I'm going to share with you some tips and it's super important that we practice these tips, regardless of whether they're working on the site, working from home or during layoff to make sure that they know that you're still on their side. So the first things first is tips from working from home. If you do have the ability to allow some of your admin staff or whoever it may be working from home, it's super important to not assume that they have all the equipment that they need to get the job done. So even though you might be giving them a laptop or whatever the case may be, making sure that they have all the equipment that they need so that they can get the job done. They don't feel like they have to be spending their own money to purchase any equipment that they may not have, that they maybe just not have the voice to speak up that they need this equipment. The next thing is communication. And this goes for all different levels, making sure you're communicating on a daily basis and not just necessarily about work. Although work is important in these situations, also communicating on a human to human level is very important. So making sure you're having that communication with them and uh, you're being very sincere about the whole situation that's happening. We just gotta keep remembering that everyone's going through this, including ourselves and our employees. The next one is video calls. So making sure you are doing those video calls so you're getting that human interaction and not just communicating via text or email or on the phone. Video calls can really help the interaction of employees and maybe even participating in a video call that's like more of like a hangout session rather than just doing a video call about work. Again, it's super important to just keep them engaged and make sure that they know that you are engaging with them on a human to human level and you're still engaging them to want to still work for you guys at the end of this. And check-ins. So I know this goes without saying, but checking in with them, seeing if they're okay, how are you doing? Do you need anything? Is there anything I can help you with? There's a lot of employers that are really stepping up for their employees right now. And it goes to show, and that is what's going to change the lifestyle of the employee after all this is done. And then the last one that I have for tips from working from home is avoid micromanaging. I know that it's really hard because maybe you're not used to them working from home and you kind of have that unset, uneasy feeling because it's not something you guys are used to. But if they are working from home, avoid micromanaging. Everyone has enough stress right now for you to micromanage them is just going to build on that stress and it's going to make the situation a lot worse. 
So the next couple things I'm going to talk about is tips for working on site. And we did go over a few of these already, but I'll kind of just um, go over them. And if you have any questions, please let me know. Um, and we'll, we'll touch on it at the end. So constant communication, again, the same thing as working from home, have that constant communication. Just because you see them every day does not mean that you're actually communicating with them. Saying hello, good night, good morning, doesn't cut it. You do have to have that communication and get on that human to human level and just checking in with them. Health and safety, making sure you're following the health and safety protocols, making sure you do have those sanitization sections within working on site, making sure you're following everything that Health Canada has been putting out. Make sure you stay up to date with that because it's super important and it's going to make sure that your employees are safe on the work site, but it's also going to make sure that you don't get shut down. The next one is make sure you have your policies in check. So COVID-19 and making sure you have these policies are super important, especially when you don't really know or your employees don't know of whether they can or cannot come into work. So for example, the topic of if they've been traveling, can they come into work? That has been cycling the media. And a lot of people are a little bit confused, even though the government has been saying this on almost every press conference. There is still questions about this. So making sure you have a policy that's outlining the responsibilities of the employer, the responsibilities of the employees, and of course the management to make sure that everyone's following it properly. So for example, if you've been traveling, you're supposed to self-isolate for 14 days. So with that being said, they cannot come into the workplace. They cannot work on site, even if they are self-isolating or uh, having that distance between each other, they have to stay home. They cannot be on the work site. Um, the next one is educating management. So during this time, there's a lot of people that did not see this coming. I mean, no one really saw this coming, but it's making sure you educate your management appropriately so that they know how to deal with day-to-day -day situations that may not have ever arose before. How do they send someone home? How do they dismiss someone with care? How do they send someone home without kind of arising all these emotions? We have to understand that this is a very sensitive topic. So for example, if you are sending someone home because they may have been traveling and they chose to not self-isolate and you have to get them off the site immediately, making sure you're being professional and you're having that conversation to send them home as soon as possible to make sure that the rest of the employees are working safely but you are being sensitive in that conversation because no one wants to feel like that they have this disease that they might be spreading to other people, right? It's a very sensitive topic. So just making sure you're educating your management on how to communicate that appropriately. And that kind of dives into my next one is dismissing with care, making sure that we all know it's a hard topic and just make sure you're being a little bit sensitive over this topic and uh, don't be naive about people being really upset about this. And then the last one is constant check-ins, making sure you're checking in with staff, even if it's just sending a text and saying, how was your morning? Um, and this goes for working on site, working from home and being during layoff. Just make sure you're checking in with your staff. And I, I promise you, it's going to make the huge difference of whether they want to come back to work for you or not. Okay, that's, uh, that's the end of that slide. Does everyone have any questions or comments for um, keeping employees engaged? Maybe you have a certain scenario. Natalie, maybe if you want to touch on a little bit that I think we talked about earlier this morning is that um, Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, a very famous billionaire, he came out this morning with, with uh, an article basically stating that these times will uh, really resonate your brand as to how you handle your employees. Um, uh, yeah, do you have any absolutely. comments on that? 
Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of employees that are kind of just cycling the, uh, the media, just basically either being upset with how their employer is dealing with it or being proud that they work for a company that has an employer that's taking this so seriously and actually cares for their staff. And it's going to be the difference of whether they are updating their resume right now while they're on layoff or having ease of mind because they know that they, their employer has their back and they're, they're really excited to get back to working for you. So the, it, it's happening all over and it's just, it kind of goes to show just for example, like I know Target has been coming up and a lot of the employees are really upset with Target. And before people were very proud to work at Target. And now all of a sudden the situation has come up and people don't want to work for Target right now. So there's different situations and just making sure you are being sensitive to the topic is just making sure like making sure your statements are not just robotic and they're more um, interactive. And that sums up the webinar. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And again, if you have any questions that were left unanswered during this webinar recording, then please email us at hello at eiosolutions.com and one of our EIO experts will get right to you and be able to answer any questions that you have. I hope you have a great day and stay safe.